This is Rob, and this is episode 39 of the Folly Coffee Podcast. Let's get it brewing. All right, I am here with Jack and Tim from Stigma Hemp out of North Loop, Minneapolis. Uh, I already knew about these guys because of all the publicity they've gotten and just the CBD uh, boom that has happened in the past couple years, but we got a nice little shout out on Instagram, and I saw I was tagged by Stigma Tim. I was like, oh, okay, and then I just reached out and was like, hey, as I do with anybody, and say, hey, do you want to be on the Folly Coffee podcast? So, welcome. And we said yes. <laughs> Thanks for having us. <laughs> so uh, on the mic, I've got Tim, uh, COO, uh, Chief, Chief Operating Officer of Stigma Hemp, and we are in episode one of the new Folly Coffee podcast studio, and uh, <laughs> we already had a power outage, but I was told it was not us. So, welcome. <laughs> I know. I, at first, I was like, we... The lightning in the bottle was here. It got out, shut all the power down. It's like, no, it's not you guys. I was trying to be all professional and be like, oh, I got a studio now. I'm going to bring in some like super legit guests. Got this awesome, I got stigma hemp coming in. And then all of a sudden, right when we start, it just shuts off immediately. So I'm sure you're both super impressed. Uh, but so stigma hemp right now, primarily CBD focused. Am I correct in that? Yeah, uh, entirely CBD focused. Yeah. Uh, we sell a small range of products, CBD oils, um, some of our own collaborative uh, construction, and then uh, some other basics like topicals and uh, gummies, gel caps, things like that. And so what got you into the cannabis industry? How long have you been in the industry? Uh, I've been in the industry for 20 plus years at this point. I got into it accidentally, like a lot of, a lot of things in life. Uh, I was in an odd moment in my uh, life travels. Um, Got an offer from a friend to move out to California and work for him uh, in growing cannabis. And uh, having been interested in such things previously, I hopped in the opportunity and somehow against all expectation found it uh, became my career. And so when you started in cannabis, what was the, the legal landscape? Well, at that point, California had what they call Prop 215 going on, which was a sort of really broad and open medical cannabis structure um, that was based on collectives, cooperatives, and uh, non-commercial entities. Um, within those parameters, it was exploited to its max. Um, and, you know, cannabis was more or less openly sold if you had a medical cannabis recommendation, which was remarkably easy to get. Um, you know, it was a great kind of like quasi bootleg under the counter system that worked well for a long time out there pre-full legalization. And, and so... For those listening, I'm sure there's a lot of confusion behind, okay, well, cannabis, isn't that weed? I thought that was illegal. Uh, what is CBD? And so just to kind of backtrack here uh, with stigma's focus on CBD right now, could you uh, explain the primary differences between uh, the different varieties of cannabis and what people might be thinking of when they're thinking of cannabis? Sure. I mean, cannabis covers the whole plant family uh, tree, so to speak, or family bush in this case. Um, so that includes both drug cannabis and then, you know, what you would call hemp, which is industrial cannabis. Um, drug cannabis is primarily cultivated for its floral clusters and consequently its chemistry, uh, THC, CBD, the aromatic compounds known as terpenes, uh, all the other minor cannabinoids of which there's, you know, 100 plus in the plant uh, that natively occur. 
Um, whereas, you know, the industrial one is typically grown for um, plant mass to make fabric or to make paper, or uh, it's grown for seed mass to e exploit and crush into oil. Um, kind of two different pathways that diverged literally thousands of years ago um, through the use of, uh, or through humans' intervention through selective breeding. Um, CBD and THC occur in the same place. They occur, occur in the floral clusters. Uh, they do entirely different things in us. Uh, THC, as, as many are well aware, is an intoxicating portion of the plant. CBD has no intoxicating effect. And in fact, when it occurs with THC, it actually suppresses uh, THC's effect. So it's hmm. the anti-high in a lot of ways. Um, they're both part of the drug cannabis plant, even though they do, do occur in small amounts in the industrial part. But, you know, really what cannabis is all about these days, at least for CBD and THC, is growing those floral clusters that are full and rich of uh, oil and terpenes and, you know, all the good stuff, basically. And so <laughs> I'm trying to picture, I'm at a point in my life that someone says, do you want to come out to California and grow cannabis? What is the life of someone like that's growing cannabis? Is it very farm-like or is it more involved because of that product? Well, you know, it depends on where you're farming and how you're farming, of course. Uh, in those days, you know, again, in the kind of weird little gray area that we were in in Oakland, California, uh, we were doing things very non-professionally in residential houses, very big ones. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it was professionally maintained. It was clean. And, you know, my day consisted of, you know, making sure that everything was running and humming. And, uh, you know, maybe going out to get some supplies, maybe organizing a group of people to trim the cannabis, um, maybe going out to try and move the product to one of the local dispensaries. Because um, we, you know, we moved it just through those more or less legal channels of selling it to dispensaries rather than, you know, put it out on the street and get in potentially more legal trouble. Right. Um, but l life was good. You know, yeah. I spent a lot of my time in that era just learning about cannabis myself. I'd already had an active interest before I moved uh, from Minnesota to California, but I went to college basically by just buying every type of different type of cannabis I could find, uh, reading every magazine and book I could find. I started to collect old high times and old seed catalogs that eventually led to um, starting to order a bunch of seeds and breeding myself. You know, I really just kind of spent a lot of my time you know, learning, which then paid off when I got a job at a dispensary after about eight years of growing. So, so when you're growing, are you growing specifically for certain levels of THC and CBD or are those kind of separated out after the fact? Well, they're not separated out. I mean, they can be, but you know, when you're, when you're growing, yeah, you're growing for more or less maximum level of compound or maximum amount of choice flour. Um, you know, we've kind of moved through a moved down a, a strange path in the cannabis world because of prohibition. Um, it's created what I call kind of a moonshine effect, where people do grow for the most possible THC. Uh, it's not necessarily a good thing. Um, you know, having smoked cannabis that is you know more or less thirty percent THC, I can tell you that just you know kind of on the barometer, I'd, I'd rather smoke a lot of stuff that's fifteen or so percent THC just for sheer enjoyment. Right. You know? Um, the extra juice of more THC doesn't necessarily equate to a more enjoyable experience, you know? And so you were 
over the period of 17 years in California, you said you started working at a dispensary of eight years. At this point in time, was CBD like a thing? Or was anybody seeking this out? Was it on the radar? Or at this point, was it more the medical cannabis with THC? When I started working at, at the dispensary, Harborside Health Center in Oakland, uh, which still has a, a good reputation as being one of the, the first to really do it right and uh, definitely was the largest for a good period of time, it was just starting to become, CBD was just starting to become something that people were both aware of and they were actively seeking. Um, you know, again, through the prohibition effect, underground cannabis breeders had selectively bred out a lot of CBD just unconsciously because they were seeking the strongest effect. And, you know, because... So it's like almost the more illegal you make it, the more extreme it becomes because it's almost like if you're going to be risking it for something illegal, you might as well do it to the most extreme. It's true. That's a really interesting way to look at it. It's true of alcohol. It's true of, you know, other illegal drugs, you know, fentanyl, uh, crack cocaine. I mean, they were all pushed down those pathways in a lot of ways. Um, I've never heard that perspective. That's really intriguing. So to kind of reiterate that, that's like with instead of just regulation it faced just it's completely illegal and so the people doing it that's what they sought out that yep. Pro- hmm. prohibition pushes in into a, a mutated form you know a greater stronger uh you know more commercializable but also more dangerous thing at the same time didn't happen with thc fortunately because you know thc is safe mm-hmm. uh, and it's not going to kill you uh, but it, it did get pushed down a high potency pathway just unconsciously. And again, you know, CBD had been left to the wayside in that era. And, you know, once people realized that CBD had a lot of useful effect for people, you know, undergoing chemotherapy, different sorts of seizure conditions, um, it was a search to find it again, you know, dig back into older seeds. And uh, because cannabis labs suddenly were available, lots of testing going on. Um, You know, so when I started this dispensary, those products had started to come on to the market and there was some amount of CBD flour around, but it was still a very active search and, and people mm. looking for new stuff. By the time I left eight years later, um, it, CBD, everything, you know, it, it was, it just was more than we could even think about putting on the shelves ourselves. Um, it grew quick. Um, I'd like to think part of that is because it does actually work, you know? Yeah. And, and so when you say you left, did you leave California or do you mean to go leave to work at the dispensary? There? Uh, I, I left Harborside after about eight years and I worked in another job and that was about a year and then I moved back to Minnesota um, because my mom was uh, undergoing some cancer treatment and it was just time to move back and be a little closer and fortunately some of my old friends had started up Sigma and was able to continue working in the cannabis world. So that's all. So I also have to ask. How do people in your life react when you say this is what you're going to go to move out to California? Because the name stigma, it's, I mean, it hits it right on the nose that there is this heavy stigma behind it because of just the history of the kind of prohibition style yep. uh, of the U.S. Well, I didn't tell anybody. For, I mean, I told my good friends for years. My parents didn't know. Mm. Um, my parents actually found out because my mom saw me on PBS. Uh, she was here in Minnesota one night, like sewing in front of the TV and heard a voice Tim and she looked up and saw me on PBS explaining something to Peter Sagal, the guy from Wait Wait Don't Tell Me, um, who's doing this documentary series on the uh, Constitution. <laughs> and uh, I think I'd still been telling her I was working at a, a, a record distributor or something vague, you know. So, so she literally found out by seeing you as 
kind of one of the early experts in it yeah. on PBS. I, and I had avoided media for a while. And then there was a certain point where I just decided I didn't care because who's ever going to see it? My <laughs> parents would never see any of that stuff. Um, you know, and it was actually worked out well because I couldn't figure out how to tell my parents about this. You know, when I was younger, while they weren't um, super intense about it, like they definitely you know, regarded cannabis as something that was just, it was just wrong mm -hmm. because it was illegal. And, uh, you know, it was in the same category as all the other illegal drugs. And so it wasn't something that they would have ever been comfortable with just straight out the gate. Uh, fortunately, all the Charlotte's web and CBD stuff had really started to, uh, penetrate even the Midwest. And my mom was able to make some peace with it kind of through that. Um, you know, still doesn't like to this day that I smoke, you know, that, smoke cannabis um and still every once in a while we'll say something stray about thc that's just a little little wrong-headed but you know better than it used to be for sure yeah and so when you moved back uh to work for stigma what year was that oh it was about a year and a half ago wasn't that long ago okay and how long has stigma been around as a business just a little bit longer than that you know maybe close to two years because that's what struck me about stigma is it seemed like last summer so that would be the summer of 2019 oh, those are uh, th that there was this massive explosion of just the publicity behind it. Not, I think the category was exploding as a product, but even just the coverage of it, the publicity, it seemed like you couldn't open a newspaper or you couldn't go on any sort of social media or anything without getting uh, advertising articles. And Stigma was the one that stuck out to me because it was like the mayor was at the opening and that was at the time, you know, a year ago was like, whoa, this is becoming a real and, thing. And the Hennepin County Sheriff was there too. And the, so. That's right, the Hennepin County yeah. Sheriff. What is the general landscape in Minneapolis and Minnesota behind CBD? Because my personal perspective on it is that it seems like, it's like I can find it at the co-ops and uh, there's some good information out there, but it's kind of hard to know what is good information. You can find it at the gas station a lot of times. Yeah, um, and that's where it gets weird. I mean, again, there's a lot of it out there. There's a lot of advertisements and, and stuff in the media about it. Um, there's almost too much information. In fact, there just straight up is too much information and too many products out there. Uh, so, you know, we are, we like to regard ourselves as a very good, strong option amongst, uh, the other products in the field, so to speak. Um, and you know, we, we make good quality products. I mean, I think that to me is someone who is already well entrenched in the cannabis world, like you know, I, I'm definitely a, a skeptic among, you know, skeptics. And I'm, I'm pretty convinced about the quality of our products, having seen the test results and, you know, been in the process of uh, helping instruct them and helping them come together. You know, there's a lot of options out there, but there's not that many, at least in our local arena, I think, doing it as well as we do. And, you know, we're growing in a way that I think we want to push into the, the national arena with some of our products. I think our coffee oil is a really good, strong entry. Not a lot of people have really done something like that. Yeah, I'm going to jot that down so, so we can get back to that later because I, I just tried to, I haven't had something like that. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, I think we're doing a good job. We, we are big cannabis believers, all of us. Um, I think we want to, you know, continue to grow within the cannabis world as the uh you know legislation evolves too we have lots of interest in adult use thc cannabis as well uh it would probably be a different name company than stigma but you never know yeah um but you know that's something that we'd like to do also that's where my strength in my career has mostly been i've had to do a lot of lear learning of, of nuance on the back end about cbd even though i knew a lot 
um, suddenly I was working entirely in the CBD world. I did have a, a little bit of catching up to do, but you know, THC cannabis is really, that's what I consume on a daily basis mm-hmm. and what keeps my head level. So, you know, hopefully when the, uh, legalities get there, we're going to be there too. You know? So specifically with CBD, what are the things that a consumer who's just getting into it or is trying to find, you know, we can trust you that, oh, oh stigma is the brand or, uh, outside of that, what are the I guess, parameters that somebody should be looking for when they're looking for a high quality CBD product to make sure they're getting what they're seeking? Well, I mean, I think, you know, getting to know who's, who's making it or putting it out is always a good place to start. Um, you know, stigma is an easily traceable entity, um, but there are a lot of CBD products out there that are just shuffled into the marketplace by big kind of nameless mass producers. Um, yeah, the gas station ones, like you go in, it's like, it'll be like a, like a five hour energy and like, uh, I don't know, you know, the off brand, like sex pills and then CBD and you're like, well, this doesn't feel good. (laughs) And and, you know, they're, they're kind of like rebranded products. A lot of times, um, they're, you know, uh, quality and potency is definitely questionable from what I've seen in a lot of media and independent tests. Um, you know, you want to get what you're paying for. I mean, you're paying for milligrams of CBD when you're purchasing stuff because usually all the other stuff in there is, you know, pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Um, so you want to make sure that you're getting that thousand milligram, that 1500 milligrams of CBD that you just paid, you know, 30, 40 bucks for. Um, so specific to stigma, kind of what's your process like <clears throat> of from growing all the way down to the final product? Well, we don't grow any ourselves. Uh, mm-hmm. We do work with growers and extractors um, to get the base for our, a lot of our products. Um, you know, we're, our process is a very herky jerky one because we're a new entity and, Mm -hmm. you know, we're growing in fits and starts in all sorts of different ways. So, you know, some months are devoted towards, you know, product, uh, evolution construction. Some months are just, you know, trying to get our structure together. Um, you know, we're, we're coming together as as a solid entity, but we're Mm -hmm. definitely, you know, it's taken some time to kind of cohere into a uh, active Voltron like uh, presence. Is it difficult doing business in something like cannabis in Minnesota, which is behind, especially like Western states? Yeah, I mean, we are behind in a lot of a lot of things. Cannabis, our medical cannabis program, is a great example of you know a total fiasco. Um, Minnesota has actually been very welcoming about mm. hemp and CBD. Um, business and cultivation. Uh, it's a little bit, hasn't been pulled off entirely great in the state in some ways. Um, the growing part has been all over the map, you know, anywhere from like uh, alfalfa farmers who decide they, you know, can maybe turn a profit on something else and, you know, grow in a field of cannabis that's more or less uh, valueless at the end of the season. Um, you know, it's been pretty much all over the map, but in terms of being a, a CBD business and a, a uh, maker of hemp products, the state's very encouraging. I, hopefully we'll get there. Well, I'm a little worried about how we're going to implement adult use THC mm-hmm. uh, stuff when we get there, because, um, you know, if the medical cannabis program in the state's any example, that was kind of done in a very restrictive sort of way. You know, it can only be grown by three or four licensed producers and they can only make it into uh, products of uh, extracted material. So it's like you can't go into any of those places and buy a jar of just raw flour. Mm-hmm. Like you can only get capsules of oil or, or little vaporizer cartridges, things like that. You know, that's to me is not a great solution. You mm-hmm. know, um, the base product of any cannabis should always be the floral cluster. That's, that's where the good stuff is, you know. And 
So CBD itself, how does it interact with the body? Because I think one of the things that I'm like yourself, a big skeptic. So when I hear something like this, like miracle product and this and that, and it's going it, to, how can something alleviate anxiety, but also potentially reduce inflammation and pain? Uh, and the research I've done is interesting uh, that it, there's a lot of things that make sense, but I wanted to kind of hear it from you about like, how does it interact with the body to be able to do these things? And I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that the, a big problem of it is that because it's been illegal, there's not a lot of studies done on it. Yeah, the science is, is very new and evolving quickly. Um, we didn't even know what we call the endocannabinoid system existed within our bodies until like 20 years ago or so. And that's the, the pathway of uh, signaling uh, structure within our bodies that cannabinoids use, both the ones that we put in our body, like THC or CBD from a plant, or the ones we make inside of ourselves um, and you know it's basically like the regulatory system of our body so it's it's like a traffic conductor in a lot of ways and so by modulating our inner chemistry it's allowing us to alleviate swelling or to balance you know potentially balance mood conditions uh, fix some sleep issues you're not actually doing it with CBD but you're using CBD to allow the chemistry you produce internally to build up you know it's funny to me because I think my take on it after doing research on the endocannabinoid system, because I wanted to use it, but wasn't, I wanted to research it well and not just pay for something and hope it worked. And what I've realized, and this is true of a lot of things, is that people want things to be very one or zero. They want it to yep. be, I take this pill, it takes care of this. And they've been marketed to like that from doctor. And again, the U.S. is weird in that way. That our, we, our brains want to work like that too. Exactly. Enough, you know, but we operate within parameters you know it's never black or white or yes or no with with humans it's that whole spectra of potentials um and yeah that you know that's one thing that is very difficult with kind of entering into cannabis and, and consuming it yourself is becoming comfortable that you know there are no givens when it when it comes to a natural plant-based product like that um, but fortunately it's a very forgiving product and you're never going to really hurt yourself with mm -hmm. it, you know? Um, and you know, we have our different metabolisms, our different sensibilities, you know, one thing that affects one person strongly barely, you know, touches another. Um, you know, some people have a bulletproof caffeine tolerance. Others can't even finish a cup of coffee without dissolving into nervous shakes. Um, and that, you know, we exist within those, those spectra of, possibilities you know yeah some people are more sensitive to cannabinoids some people are far less sensitive to them um you just never know the thing that's fascinating for me is uh for, for me it's really positively benefited sleep yeah and it seems like every sleep thing out there can put you to sleep but your REM cycle your deep sleep is greatly affected and you wake up feeling like crap and then you just keep doing it so you can fall asleep again and I'm, I'm a nerd, so I track my sleep cycles, and CBD would, I'd be out, and I would get really deep, restful sleep. I sound like I'm working for stigma right now. <laughs> this is an unpaid episode, uh, but that's what was most intriguing to me about it. Now, let's talk about these two things you brought in here today. Uh, well, I should say a few things, but... Well, that dream oil would be especially good for for sleep or a sleep-related condition because of all the, uh, the hops terpenes in there. Hops, of course, has been used as a sleep or a, a uh, sedative um, for thousands of years, uh, hops pillows and those sorts of 
aromatic uh, effects. Um, added to CBD, it's only going to really enhance that effect. Because hops are um, like a cousin of cannabis in a way, right? Kind of a, more like a sibling. Okay. Because they're the only two plants on one particular branch of the plant family tree. Uh, their relation goes back about like three million years, I think, or something like that. Um, but they are the only two plants within that, that branch of whether it's phylum kingdom, I'm not, I'm not sure, but they are very closely related. That's why back in my beer days at Sam Adams, there would be certain IPAs that the only way you can describe them is just like, this IPA is super dank. Yeah, dang, <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, that's just, it, it's a total biological connection. But, you know, one thing that we've realized in this kind of more modern age of cannabis science is what they call the entourage effect or, or the ensemble effect is it's starting to be called, which is that, you know, CBD or THC operate one way by themselves in your system, but as soon as you, you add all these other aromatic compounds and minor cannabinoids and stuff, it alters the balance of how it, how it affects you. You know, it's that particular little cocktail that's in each different varietal. Um, you know, and that, that's true with hops. That's true with different coffee beans. Um, you know, it's really kind of about that, that little bowl of, of things they bring to it and not just one single thing, you know? And so that's that's where like full spectrum or broad spectrum or what's the yeah full spectrum means that it hasn't had anything uh stripped out of it in terms of it the other cannabinoids or the terpenes um that doesn't necessarily mean they're all in there because it, that depends on how they extracted it uh broad spectrum is usually that one is new and kind of confuses me a little bit but it usually means that it's a a distilled cannabinoid that's had some stuff added back into it and um, is this is the entourage ensemble effect? Do you think it still is happening when it's added back in, or do you think that's? I think that's questionable. Okay. Um, you know, the vaporizer pens I think are a great example. You know, where they either strip out the THC or the CBD into this gold goo, put it in a little cartridge, and then re-add. You know, they can be naturally sourced aromatics, but definitely not the ones that occur with it. And you know, and the effect is not the same as if it was those same native terpenes found in the cannabis plant. Um, doesn't quite work that way. Uh, but, you know, there's probably some small smidge of an effect there, maybe. And so are your oils uh, full spectrum when you're talking about those? Some of them are. Mm. Our dream oil is. Uh, with our coffee oil, we actually uh, decided to go with a distilled CBD um, because we were really trying to focus on getting that coffee flavor. Um, with the dream oil the really kind of rich green flavor of the cannabis blended very well with the hops. Yeah. So we just decided it was a little more appropriate there. Yeah. So I, I, this, this one I saw pop up on Instagram and I was like, this is just straight up cool. Like, have you so tried that one yet? Maybe I, try I a little shot of it. And so, um, give a little first reaction. Collaboration with modest brewery out of Minneapolis. I think one of everybody's favorites, if you're from Minneapolis. Uh, so this is a CBD oil, uh, full spectrum oil, infused sparge it just a little bit just to make sure it uh is nice and blended yeah, up there because there's some honey in that one and it tends to settle a little bit okay so. so let's do a little first reaction here this is a first on the podcast here hops in your face that's i mean yeah when you picture the smell of the dream yard ipa that's like it's like right there. <laughs> it's the same hops blend, uh, and then it was extracted uh, through CO2 extraction. So we, then we added it back into the uh, the oil there. That is, yeah, that's like dead on. 
Yeah, I, I guess sometimes you get over to, especially in this category we we're just talking about, you get like over marketed to. So when you see a new flavor, so you're like, okay, whatever. But this is, I think, really cool. Personally, I think local collaborations are so important more than ever, and so something like this is such a cool thing for two companies to do. And that's yeah, that's that's amazing. That's pretty cool. Well, and I think both of these products, both are. are- beer one and our coffee one. Yeah. Even though you think of them as being kind of single note things, I, I don't think that's necessarily true. And I think we could bring this same collaboration to other people and use the nuance of a different bean or roast, a different type of hops, um, some different balancing yep. elements and make them still unique and interesting things without seeming like they're, they're cookie cutter. And that you, know? you are preaching to the choir here that we run into the exact same issue with coffee is you would not imagine how hard it is to explain to somebody the difference between a great cup of coffee and what they're used to. Because if you're from Minnesota, your entire life, you've had the debate oh, Starbucks, Starbucks or caribou. It's rough that's the only know. debate you get thrown with Starbucks or caribou. And like, honestly, if you put them side by side for me, I'm not sure I could pick them apart. Maybe and I caribou cause it's not as like sharply hot. Yeah. As Starbucks is. Yeah, exactly. And so, for us to enter this category with folly is like our huge challenge is convincing people that there are differences and you should be aware of them. And so it's really interesting to hear you put CBD the same way, because I imagine that has to be a huge challenge that, uh, the, that I'm sure there are producers out there that cut all the corners to have the most price competitive thing on the market. And they come in with something, they go, well, what the heck? Theirs is also a 500 milligram CBD oil for 10% of the cost. Well, and there are people making just downright kind of dumb CBD products too. There's like uh, CBD infused exercise clothes and, uh, you know, just things where you'd just never really be able to been get. been exercising wrong my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, CBD hamburgers, you know, is something that I've seen before and it's like, Really? Like, I don't think you need it in your water and your hamburgers and, you know, all the other stuff. I mean, just take a good dose of something that's, you know, got a nice composition to it and leave it at that. And and so uh, I had some uh, gummies from you in front of me as well here. Uh, So we've got the gummies, you've got the oils. What what are the different forms and like... How do you recommend, is there a preferred method? Well, it's funny. We were actually just uh, talking about this the other day. And really, it's kind of about how you're uh, getting it into your bloodstream. Um, There's a few different routes. The oil represents one of them. You know, when I had you put it in your mouth, I told you to squirt it underneath your tongue and let it hang for a second. That's what's called sublingual absorption. Um, And that has the benefit of allowing um, at least a good amount of the CBD to jump into your bloodstream quicker because there's that rich little nest of mucous membranes underneath our tongue. It's a very sexy um, phrase. <laughs> mucous membrane. Yeah, that's the name of my band. Um, whereas if you swallow it or eat a CBD product, you have to go a much longer pathway. It has to digest in your stomach. Your stomach doesn't have any cannabinoid receptors, so it gets kicked out into your liver where the liver uh, spins it around and does a little something different with it, and then it kicks it out into your bloodstream. That's potentially an hour later, mm. you know, and, and you've definitely lost some in the process. And when your liver's done with it, it's actually become a different, slightly different kind of CBD in, mm. in the end. Um, so it's really kind of about how you want to get, how quickly you want the effect to come on and how much you want to saturate, you know, your body with it. You can also do combinations. Um, you know, you can take the oil first and then take one of the gel caps, like say before you go to bed, because that way, that gel cap's going to be breaking down by the time you're already asleep and kind of carry you through into the, into the morning. Um, you know, they're interchangeable. Yeah. It's hard to put too much CBD in your system. It would take thousands of milligrams to really make you like actually ill. 
and uh, it's not really going to do much more than make you you know a little drowsier than normal if you do take too much but it's uh, kind of like they just say too much of anything is not going to be good pretty much um and so this coffee collaboration how did this come back uh so i tried this right before the episode started and i I gotta say i feel feel good right now um so this is a collaboration with our friends at duluth coffee company with awesome people up there love the team up there sam and their team uh, how did you get into the idea of doing a coffee CBD oil? Because the collaboration with Modest makes some sense because of the relationship be, uh, relationship between hops and uh, cannabis. Yep, and we were practically neighbors with them as well. They were like two blocks. Oh yeah, away. that's right. They came and brought us some beer at our uh, opening party, the one that had Mayor Fry and stuff yeah. like that, and that kind of began the friendship. Um, we had already been talking with other breweries before them. And it was just a slow path, whereas as soon as we started talking to them, we had that off the ground within a month. Um, and it was the same sort of happy accident with the, the coffee one. Um, I lived in Duluth for what, six or seven years, I think. Nice. Um, and so I knew a lot of folks there. And when I'd visit, uh, one of my good friends who was still living up there was hyping Duluth coffee. And, uh, you know, he had been visiting me in California for years. He and I are both huge coffee nerds. You know, spending all of our money going to Blue Bottle and uh, Ritual and all the mm-hmm. kind of original third wave coffee establishments, and uh, he's like, "No, man, Duluth Coffee, like they're they're bringing the game up." And I was like, "All right, you know." And uh, first time I went back when they were open, it was like, "Yeah, sure enough, they were, you know, making cortados and yeah. you know, they're doing it right." Um, and it just it just happened. Like I think we had gone up to Duluth to talk to breweries actually, and uh, we wanted to sell some product in Duluth Coffee and ended up just rapping and drinking like three or four cups of coffee and just getting twazzled and uh spitballing ideas and i think we were maybe even on the path to doing it after the end of one meeting so uh, happy accident that's awesome and so what is the process like this because i tried it and you take it at first and it's very mild and then all of a sudden as it's sitting it you get that vanilla you get that just like muted kind of dark chocolate like very mellow flavor what's the process of uh our, our chemist is a little bit mysterious with it. I, I've dragged some information out of there. I know that he takes a, a stone mortar and pestle and breaks up the beans, mm-hmm. and he breaks up the vanilla at the same time with it, actually. Um, breaks up, I think, a bean amidst that, and then does a cold water extraction for, I think, a period of like five days after that, and uh, blends it in with MCT and... Uh, the CBD afterwards. That's about it. And so MCT oil seems to be a really popular one for CBD products. Why is that? Well, it's just because it, it uh, blends well. Uh, it's had a lot of its, uh, you know, basically coconut oil that's been extra purified. Mm-hmm. And it just takes some of the clunkier elements out of there and makes it really smooth, really helps things, you know, hang together nicely. Um, I think that's what they use in Bulletproof Coffee, too. Yeah, I was keto for a while. (laughs) That's that's one that I learned very quickly that you have to be really careful with measuring to make sure you don't put too much in your coffee. Yeah, you don't want to overoil it. That's for sure. That one will give you a rough morning. But, you know, whipping up some coconut oil in your in your milk is a great way. No, it's great. Yeah, when you do it to right levels. And And it does really kind of smooth the absorption. And that's what it's about with cannabis products, Mm. too. It's about smoothing the absorption of those things in your body. Um, through the help of MCTs kind of, you know, it, it has a way of kind of acting as a, a uh, um, I don't know, 
know what you'd call it. Like it's basically a chauffeur of like a of, delivery system. Yeah, almost. kind of. Yeah. It, it basically acts as a nice little buffer and helps things kind of leap into your bloodstream and body, you know, a little easier than they would otherwise. And, and so since you've launched, or since, let's say since you've joined the company, since that's where you, where you can speak to, is how, how has the landscape changed within CBD in Minnesota on a national landscape? Well, you know, the national landscape it's still huge. Um, on you know the more kind of local regional landscape, you know, I think we're still trying to figure out where everyone's at after, uh, you know, the quarantine mm-hmm. and, and uh, stuff like that. I know that some people have gone on a business. I know a lot of farmers last year uh, grew product that they weren't able to sell. Um, so I know that they gave out less hemp cultivation licenses at the state level this year than they had last year. Um, hopefully those who remained will, you know, be on the upper end of, you know, quality producers. I think the people who did h- hang around either had a lot of money in their pocket or, you know, they know that they're going to be able to do it right again. Yeah, more established relationships versus the late entrants that just saw the opportunity financially, maybe. Yep. And a lot, you know, there was a lot of green rushers, and there, there's going to be anytime something like that gets a hype, you know, especially in farmland where, you know, guys are probably sick of cultivating soybean for, you know, pennies on the acre. Um, I'd leap at the next uh, potential gold rush, too, if I was them. But, uh, you know, it's tough to, to actually cultivate stuff of the quality that we want. Mm-hmm. Um, at a big commercial level. Like, we're actually looking for boutique, like, you know, craft growing. We're looking for people who are growing, like, uh, state fair winning tomatoes almost, you know, with a glass house, and they're, you know, spending tons of time, you know, manicuring the plants and making sure every nuance is complete. Like, that's that's what cannabis really, uh, when it performs best and grows the most chemistry in it, um, not when it's grown in a, a gigantic, massive field and, you know, as a thresher run through it at the end of the season, you know. So it really does have a similarity to a lot of agricultural products. I mean, coffee included, obviously. We're yep. very attuned to that, that how you grow it, where you grow it, the quality of focus versus just trying to get the highest yield. Um, and, and like cannabis science, cannabis cultivation is kind of undergoing, undergoing a new phase right now, being that there's now fully legal states and, and you can cultivate on large scale levels and not have to worry about law enforcement and things like that. People can actually integrate real agricultural solutions and technology into growing cannabis, which before the last five years, it was a fully underground art. You know, I mean, you were basically a, a making moonshine, you know, to a greater or lesser extent mm-hmm. with a greater or lesser degree of technology behind it. So um, cannabis growers are now, you know, kind of embracing being a real farmer, mm-hmm. uh, which means that, you know, good and bad things happen. The good things are, you know, they can use all that tech to make better product. The bad thing is you got people trying to grow massive amounts and do a really mediocre job at it. So, um, so what is the trajectory of the legal full legality of CBD products and THC? And was it affected by quarantine and COVID? Has this kind of, I have to imagine legislation has been put on the, at the very least on the back burner as everything else is in such yeah, turmoil. I mean, state, statewide CBD is in a good place. You know, it, it's legal. It can be sold. Um, it can be cultivated. Uh, everything's pretty stable and static there. Um, there is a little bit of national uncertainty at the federal level about the legality or, or the sellability of a lot of products. The FDA has some, some structure stuff that they need to do that they've been delaying for a long time. Um, so it, that's why there's still that kind of unregulated wild west of, you know, CBD gummies in the gas station. Um, and 
how good are they? You know, they're, 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 once the FDA kind of lays some structure, there are things that might not be able to be made anymore. Um, you know, they're going to give some clarity to it, but that's still maybe a couple of years down the road. Um, well, it's like the irony of it is, is that when you leave it in this legal gray area, the people who are more willing to just run with it anyway are probably the ones that are also not as worried about their processes. They're not as worried about the regulation of their own product. And so it's like this catch 22 that it's like if you, it, it, unless you fully allow it and have very clear regulations on how it's done, then you get these like gas station companies the, that are coming in and just selling whatever at whatever price without with very little regulation. Yeah. And I can, I can imagine that'd be very frustrating as you're looking at the pricing range of all these different products. Yep. And you know, it's uh, everyone's doing it a little differently, which I think, it, you know, is a good and a bad thing. You know, I mean, the, the wobbly structure of things means that people can innovate and do things like make a, a coffee CBD oil, you know, the potential about, you know, if that's allowed after the FDA sits down and figures things out is maybe open to question. Um, mm -hmm. Adding food type things to, you know, what's a, a medicinal type thing. They may have some very strong opinions on what you can do and what you can't do. Um, beverages, uh, CBD and beverages has been one that's been kind of like back and forth, hot and cold. Like people make them and they, they kind of shuffle them off the market and, um, people have made CBD beer. There's been CBD coffee drinks. Um, we've explored the idea of making such things and we just decided we didn't want to touch it because it's kind of, it's a hot zone, you know, we're just going to stick to making, you know, more or less kind of clean cut products. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, hopefully everyone will figure it out. But for right now, Minnesota's in a nice, you know, just kind of plow forward without a lot of hassles way. Um, for the other part of legislation, adult use and THC, you know, Minnesota will probably do that at some point. I think it's a couple of years down the road, which was what I was saying last year. But I think that the, the COVID thing has slowed everything down a little bit. It's definitely not on top of anyone's priority mm -hmm. list. But I think we will at some point. I think, like I said earlier, I'm afraid that we're going to do it in a very restricted and uh, boneheaded sort of way, which I hope doesn't happen. Um, keep it simple. Mm -hmm. you know, just let people have flowers. Yeah. Even if you stay away from edibles or something like you know, just provide flowers. And so if someone wanted to learn more about CBD, what are the best resources you found or where would you recommend that people go to kind of educate about it if they're interested about learning more or, try or trying for themselves? Well, one thing they could do if they wanted to, they could email me. I'd be happy to answer any questions or, or give some sort of informational uh, forwarding. Uh, it's tim at stigmahemp.com. Cool. I'll throw, it, I'll throw it in the show notes. Yeah. And uh, another thing to to put in the show notes is the discount code for your listeners. All right. I which like is it. Just folly. Uh, oh, look at store. us. Yep. We're legit. <laughs> yep. And that'll get you 25% off any of our products. Um, Killer. You know, we don't offer a ton of information online at the moment, but we're starting to uh, produce kind of little informational videos and, and build up a, a more of a body of knowledge. There, there's already so much out there. It sometimes seems and feels redundant. Mm. Um, so, I mean, if you need some basic information on CBD, start at the most basic places, you know, start from trusted sources of information. Um, there's been so much out there. Even the respectable news publications have done some amount of level-headed reporting on it. Um, there's a good independent um, website called Project CBD, which is projectcbd.org. Um, and they offer a lot of information on, on CBD, THC, um, that again is, is not influenced by any sort of commercial entity, just informational, good level-headed in advice. And, uh, 
Those those are what occurred to me off the top of my head, at least. Awesome. Well, I that's nearly forty five minutes right there. That's it's a really informational, dense episode. And we, and we didn't even talk about coffee yet. Right? <laughs> that's there's, there's enough so episodes much. of that. I don't think anybody's worried about finding enough information well, but on cannabis coffee. Cannabis and coffee are have been so intertwined for so long. You know, I mean, European civilizations' reintroduction to cannabis came from basically kind of coffee culture moving from from Turkey in the Near East. Uh, you know, in the fifteen hundreds. Um, you know, it really kind of a, a very intertwined relationship between the two in a lot of ways. So it's it's interesting. Um, at what point did I guess cannabis become like the? Because sometimes you, if you kind of try to take your mind out of just like the laws that are in place, and you go, how can how are some things like totally chill and cool? Like especially when you're seeing the opi the opioid like crisis really how are some things like this totally cool and like socially acceptable and obviously like alcohol and all these things that are just fully legal and then something like this which you don't see casualties coming from is completely illegal and considered like like your company names there's a big stigma around it yep. uh at what point in u.s history or i guess maybe world history did this divulgence happen well it's it's obviously been a back and forth thing and something that you know it Cannabis is something that, that definitely is stuck in our sort of human psychic craw in a way in that it, it, uh, we just cannot escape a, a troubled relationship with it. I mean, this is a plant that, you know, we, again, have, have entangled ourselves with going back unknown thousands of years. I mean, you know, we are responsible for pushing it down the pathways of becoming this little, uh, you know, beautiful smelling fountain of drugs and this big reedy uh, fabric producing plant. Um, and we've carried it around with us all over the place too. I mean, they found cannabis seeds like way up in Norway. Um, the Vikings were dragging it all over the place. Um, you know, people from the plains, you know, what they call the Scythians and, you know, some of the other Eastern uh, tribal groups dragged it into parts of the Near East. They dragged it down into Southeast Asia. Um, you know, it's, it's gone everywhere that, that we go and, and, you know, humans have, have used it for a long, long time. And it's a weird part of the, uh, historical record that, that kind of is forgotten or not easy to trace a lot of times. Um, now, now they can do a lot of stuff like, um, they can actually test samples of soil for what the pollen content would be like hundreds of years ago. And they find a lot of cannabis pollen all over Europe in That's places that, that they wouldn't expect. Um, now they're learning to, you know, sift through the archaeological record, finding burned seeds and stuff like that. And they've found cannabis seeds, like I say, in places like Norway and, and stuff where you wouldn't expect them. Um, you know, it, it's a plant that has been fully intertwined with us for a long time. Especially when you consider how difficult it was to transport anything back then. So yep. if you're finding something in a place that is not native, it means that that was incredibly important to that culture to be there. Yep. And, and that, that's and something treasured a lot about. of times too. I mean, Central and South America is a great example of that where, you know, cannabis was brought over there by the Spaniards or some European exploring group after Columbus. And, uh, a lot of those varietals were continuously cultivated by native folks and pushed up into the hills until the 50s, 60s, 70s, when all of a sudden these long hairs re realized that uh, they grew amazing cannabis down in Mexico and, you know, started exporting it by the bales. Those folks had been treasuring those varieties for hundreds of years at that point, you know. Um, Again, it's something that, that we keep around, but yet we kind of keep it secret at the same time. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of what the CBD movement seemed like to me was that the 
pressure from the general public on something that has these amazing effects, uh, or at least people are finding these amazing effects personally of alleviating, uh, alleviating anxiety, helping with your sleep. Or all just all the grandmas overwhelmed the reefer bandas effect on that one. Yeah. And like, <laughs> well, and you know, uh, folks like, uh, Char Charlotte, uh, which I'm spacing out her last name, unfortunately, but the, the young girl from Colorado who, uh, you know, achieved national fame through CBD, helping her seizure condition. Um, it made it a lot more of a, a comfortable zone for a lot of folks um, after stuff like that came out, combined with the fact that it just, you know, it just doesn't get you high. Like it, you cannot consume CBD on a recreational basis uh, other than, you know, if you're going to go out and jog or ride your bike, take it to enjoy your recreation because you won't be so achy afterwards. But, you know, you don't smoke it to get high by any means, you know. Yeah, and it's, it's almost like the public demand was so great for it that the government is kind of like, it's like, well, we have to kind of get on board or people will get, like, there's just such an overwhelming demand that they're going to be selling it regardless. Yep. And so we might as well start regulating it. Maybe there's financial motivation. If they would have, like, started, like, clamping down on it early, like, maybe. But, you know, it was one of those things where once the genie got out of the bottle on that one, you know, and there was already a lot of, you know, the, the ground was prepared for that kind of new uh, growth in the cannabis world of, of hemp and CBD that, that's happened in the last five years. You know, it's like it had already been thoroughly softened up by all of these medical states uh, who are allowing cannabis cultivation, the few that had, had allowed full legalization. So the ground was prepared and ready for something new. And then it just so happened that the CBD thing happened right along the same time when hemp cultivation reform was finally kind of coming together and, you know, for better or for worse, they got entangled. Mm -hmm. You know, CBD and hemp, while CBD does occur in hemp, you know, it's not really one of its major facets or components, but it got kind of latched on there, kind of like a senator will la latch on a little something to a bill that they know is going to pass, mm -hmm. and they tag on something at the end because they know they can sneak it through. Well, you know, that's kind of what happened with CBD, where it just kind of got entangled with the hemp part because it's like, well, we can grow stuff that doesn't have THC in it. doesn't necessarily mean that it's, hemp botanically but you know huh. so it's a confusing thing but yeah yeah and that that i think that's a good way to put it is just confusion behind what exactly is and i think you'll start to probably see i would imagine the studies start to catch up because of the popularity of it and people just demanding to know more yep and but the studies will only get you so far at the end of the day it's a natural product it's a herbal medicine uh it's something that is safe and not dangerous and you know you, it should be consumed without worry uh, as almost like a supplement or, or something like that. You know, it's no, yeah. more, it's no more dangerous than any other uh, herbal supplement you might take. Yeah, I mean, um, it's the, the one that always shocks me is when you look at, like, the number of deaths per year with something like ibuprofen, mm -hmm. which is something that, well, it's been present in all of our lives since we can remember, so it's totally normal, and that's fine, and we take it anytime anything's wrong. And then you realize the effects that they can have, and you do research on that. I've been down many a rabbit hole with things like that. <laughs> so yep. it, it makes me... It, I almost look at it as like, wow, whoever's selling those products, I need to figure out how they're marketing because that marketing is incredible. That something is kind of dangerous in a way and you, you don't even think about it, but that's just... Lot, that's lots another, of lawyers. That's a, that's yeah, that's another tangent. Uh, but yeah, that 
this has been awesome. So I'm going to have your email in the show notes. Yeah. I'm going to, uh, we have that code for our listeners, which I really appreciate. That's awesome. So try their new coffee CBD. Is this available now? Not on the, not on the market yet. It's coming. Okay. So you got to follow their Instagram or uh, join their email newsletter. Yep. So you can be one of the first ones to get this collaboration with Duluth coffee. It's awesome. The dream oil is currently on sale. So the um, dream oil, the uh, collab with modest is available and then got their gummies and full selections on the website, right? Yeah, yeah. We have a uh, mint flavored oil, which is our kind of like one size fits all CBD mm -hmm. oil product. Uh, we've got some nice topicals that people enjoy. We've got gel caps. So. Oh, so let's touch on that right before we go. Uh, topical. Mm -hmm. So how is it something that could be ingested could also be applied? Uh, is that more of like a localized effect? It's a localized effect. It's not going to penetrate through your skin, but it's a great... Uh, Great way of just kind of like reducing inflammation locally and uh, soothing of abraded skin or sore skin. Um, you know, it's it's not going to have the the same power that taking it internally will, um, but it does help help locally and generally feels good. You know, if you got some aches and pains, our cooling rub like really will make you feel like a million bucks. So, because that's the one that um, just having done a bunch of different activities and stuff. Like, I mean, jujitsu. The the world of jujitsu is. CBD uh, topically is huge because of all just the different bumps and bruises you're going to get and just muscle overall muscle soreness. Yep. And that seems to be the one where it's pretty hard to argue what the effects are. And it's almost kind of when you ingest something, it's hard to know exactly. You have to be almost scientific about it, of, of that, like your diet, your sleep, everything has to remain really consistent over yep. any period of time to know for sure. Whereas a topical is like, yeah, that feels better. I didn't apply anything else topically there, so it's definitely that. Yep. And so that, that was always interesting to me is that the topical side, people are like, yeah, that works, but I don't know if this works. Well, I've mentioned my mom now a few times, and I'll mention her one last time. She, you know, would not take any cannabis product at all, anytime through her chemotherapy or anything like that. But she loves our topicals. Like she huh. swears by our cooling rub and our cooling cream. Like she goes through them like you wouldn't believe. Like basically will not let me come home unless I'm bringing more kind of thing. Like I never would have thought she would have ever used any cannabis product whatsoever. But she she loves putting it on. It makes her arthritis feel great. Uh, gets her moving in the morning yeah like she's a believer like a true believer in that stuff so if it works for you it works you know so from going from seeing you on pbs and being maybe appalled that i can't believe this is him on pbs or she, was, she wasn't appalled she was more just upset that i had been lying ah uh, but you to know. go from that to not allowing you to come home unless you yeah. bring uh your cbd topicals that's night and day as far as i'm concerned so. yeah there you go well i really appreciate you guys coming in uh Thanks again. Yeah, we'll be putting this up live this Sunday at 9 a.m. Uh, so we'll get those codes, the email going. And, yeah, thanks for the full spread here. This is awesome. Cool. Yeah, enjoy them.